Hello, I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome to season 10. This marks 80 episodes, 80 conversations with amazing marketing leaders. Oh, the things I have learned from these amazing humans across the globe. I have talked to people from the United States to Canada, to the UK, to Europe, and even I've talked to two people who are, who are in Australia. Thank you, technology. It has been an amazing ride these last two years. And I'm so thankful for all these amazing, amazing conversations I've had. I'm so proud of the team here at MKG who made it possible. And I'm so stoked to introduce you to season 10 as, as the greatness continues and the great conversations continue. And what an honor to kick off season 10 with the very first person I had a podcast conversation with. I have brought back for a very special episode, Amber Anderson. If you haven't listened to my very first conversation with Amber, that was early days. It's still so good. We talk about intersectionality and what that means. It was a whole new term for me when I first met Amber, which is why I wanted to have her on. And how it relates to marketing is specifically around women, where women live, their ethnicity, their race, their life stage, and how as marketers, we need to make sure that our marketing meets women where they are in whatever they're going through and how we can support them. It's so good. It's so good. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Uh, after this episode, because this episode isn't dependent on that episode. It's nice to have this episode is really cool because there's, I'm going to call it a crisis because I think, I think it is. And I think as tech marketers, as people hiring, we're all feeling the crunch in the great resignation and how people have really decided to take control of their work and the companies they work for and the lifestyle they want. Remote working is real people. It is here to stay. It is not going anywhere. We've been remote at MKG since the beginning. So 10 years now, uh, and then COVID hit and it threw everybody into remote working and people figured out that remote working works for them. And some people figured out that it doesn't. And I think that's where we need to figure where we as companies, once again, need to figure out how we meet people where they are and what they need. Because if we don't, we're not gonna be able to ever hire the right people. And so Amber and Toten Pears figured out that this is a crisis and a real need for tech marketing companies to define what their culture is in the new in this new landscape. And so Amber and I dig into how Tote Pairs have pivoted slightly. They're still a branding and creative agency and they still focus on women and intersectionality, but they're doing it in a much more focused way to help tech companies hire women and help them figure out what their company culture and messaging and branding is as it relates to bringing the right people in for the right job. And I just think it's so smart because it's everything we do as marketers, but instead of our audience being the people we're trying to sell to the customers, it's looking at the job hunt in a, in a recruiting in a way that we, that in a way that we already think it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love this conversation with Amber and what a great way to kick off season 10. And so let's get to it. Amber, thank you for joining me again, back again. So glad to have you. Thanks for having me, Carrie. It's good to be here. 
So before we kick off, it has been a while and uh, it's we've morphed a bit. So I think it's good to take a step back and have our listeners be reintroduced to Amber Diver. So can you just tell your story, Amber, what do you do and how did you get there? Sure. Uh, so I'm the founder of Toten Pairs, which is a Women Plus uh, studio. We provide insights and brand strategy and some digital marketing services to companies that are trying to uh, recruit, retain, and stay connected to women as customers and employees. So I've had the agency for, it'll be 10 years in January, which is a big milestone for any agency. Um, it's, you know, um, agency life is fun and exciting, um, but it, you know, it has so many different uh, paths. And so that's super exciting. So 10 years coming up. Um, and my background, uh, thank you. <laughs> my background is actually technology. So I got here because I was working as a tech consultant. Um, I started in business analysis, moved into product, was doing technical product at a, a tech company that was in the education space, shifted into consulting for some major universities, and then had an aha moment after I had my son. And that really got me thinking about what was important to me, where I wanted to use my energy and how I could provide the most impact to the people I cared about and the things that I care about all at the same time. So that's how I founded Toten Pairs. I love those aha moments and our children definitely create those. They sure do. <laughs> Goodness. Um, I want to get more into Toten Pairs, especially around this recruiting piece, but before we get there, as a people first company, and you can relate to this as well. Uh, it's just nice to humanize our experiences and being able to reconnect to one another beyond just being marketers. So what's, what's a challenge you're currently facing? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge all of us is facing is the unknown. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Right? So as we're speaking, we've gone a year, a year and a half living in an unknown territory. And all of our lives have been changed in one shape or form. And especially as a parent, you know, there's so many questions for us. You know, we're sending our children back to school without a vaccination. Uh, we're trying to figure out as employers, um, how can we bring on more talented people and support them through their transitions as they're trying to figure out life on their own? Um, there's a lot of challenges today. And I think for me, one of the things that's important is just taking a moment and acknowledging that, figuring out how to compartmentalize, deal with the things that I can deal with and provide support in the areas where I can provide support um, and keep trucking along and providing value in everywhere that I touch, you know. Um, but yeah, I'd say COVID is a, is a challenge <laughs> um, from all angles. Uh, and that's probably the biggest one I, I'm battling today is what does that mean for me and my team, for me and the work that we do? So as a remote first agency, what, what does that mean for your team? I mean, was it, I don't want to say just another day at the office because it was definitely not <laughs> just another day at the office, no matter where you were in the world. <laughs> but as we come back to this quote unquote new normal and as a remote company, what are you finding that is staying as is and has been normal? And what challenges are you finding are brand new and, uh, part of this new normal that you didn't have before? Yeah, so, you know, where we work has never been a challenge for us. We've always been remote. Uh, we will always be remote. We enjoy the opportunity to pull talent from all over the world and also to be able to bring perspectives from all over the world into the work that we do. Uh, the challenge is now you add on this layer of complexity. So we had, uh, you know, a resource that had COVID and was in the hospital. We've had people who have lost loved ones to COVID, people who have lost loved ones during COVID and had to experience saying goodbye to some of their loved ones remotely. I mean, the emotional impact of a pandemic is, is impacting everyone, right? So I think as an employer, the big thing is how can I support my team in a way that's different from me? You know, we didn't have to have conversations about the ongoing grief of a, lo a loved one to this extent. Um, and the unknown of what that has done for them and their family. So keeping them motivated, keeping them, um, you know, feeling supported, uh, keeping clients motivated, keeping clients supported. You know, there's a new layer that, that we have, uh, especially since our agency is so mission-driven. Uh, we also have this big community of women and their families that we care about too. So telling their stories, making sure we're clear 
uh, those are new challenges and they're going to be ongoing challenges for all of us. You know, how do you support people now through this new stage of life? Something we're not familiar with, um, but something that I'm, you know, always actively trying to do my best at. And also as a business owner, I can completely relate. It has been one challenging emotional roller coaster for sure, as we feel what everybody else is feeling and 100% trying to be there. And I know as, as leaders of any organization or even within a team, especially when you feel really connected, that that is something we're all struggling and facing as we try and give this balancing act, right? Of trying to give space to that and allow people to go and be with their loved ones and feel the grief and go and be through that at the same time as trying to hold up our businesses and get work done. It has definitely been a balancing act uh, to a whole new degree for sure. Whole new, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, as business owners, we're responsible for so much in those decisions. And, um, you know, sometimes that means having to make tough decisions uh, that impact our employees so that we can keep the business afloat. Uh, and sometimes it means having to say no to clients because I need my employee morale and my employee mental, you know, mental capacity to stay. So it just really squeezes you so much tighter, but great lessons, right? And it's the challenge that we're all up for. And uh, one that I am proud to say that I'm battling through uh, with a great team behind me, you know, I'm grateful for it. Well, thank you for sharing your challenges because I think we're all, as you said, we're all facing them and it's nice to just hear we're not alone sometimes and uh, especially yeah. now and something we're also not really alone in, but I think you have a unique perspective on is recruiting. There's like this whole new world that's happening in terms of talent. And I think you touched on it briefly in terms of your own recruiting, but man, is it, it is tough out there for employers. Yeah, we're in the middle of one of the biggest labor shortages and mass exodus <laughs> um, of our time, right? And, um, you know, I was doing some research for an article I wrote. I think it's like 4 million people quit their jobs in April. It's just a crazy time. This blend of people feeling really empowered to find the spaces that resonate with them um, employers trying to find the way that they can bring more resources to the table in a dynamic that's different and new. You just have this blend, right? Um, and what has been really interesting about it is how much it goes back to employees now having a choice about where they work. Whereas before it's kind of been a business market, a corporate market. And now you're seeing employees saying, you know what? I want more money. I want more time. I want to be at a place that I feel happy at. And that's a new spin for some people that you actually have to show up and tell your story and people are going to choose to come or, or not to come work for you. Oh, you've done research because yes, because that's what you do. But I like want to dig into that for mm -hmm. a second, because I think that's so interesting that, you know, 4 million people quit to go find that they quit, right? That they weren't let go or they weren't fired, but laid off because a whole lot of layoffs happened, right? Last March, furloughs, all of that happened last year. And now this year, people are making the choice in such an unknown time. It seems feels so counterproductive, but there's something clearly missing for them at their current employer versus what they're looking for, money, time, like you said. Is there anything else that is sort of sticking out from your research about why, where people are going or are they going to big, are they going to the big corporate companies like the Amazons and the Googles and the Facebooks of the world and finding that comfort or are they in challenges? Are they looking for the smaller niche startups? Is there any sort of like nuance there in terms of where these people are headed? I don't know specifics about where they're headed. What I do know that's important is to look at what were the challenges that were kind of pushing people out. And we center our research around women. And there's been a lot of red flags about the challenges women were facing in the workforce, whether that be how they were feeling in organizations or um, the challenges of being a caregiver, whether that be a parent you're caring for or a child. Women overwhelmingly are leaving the workforce because they had to or they just can't do it anymore. And the pandemic was really kind of the catalyst to say, this is too much. Many times we were kind of seeing that happen behind the scenes where it was getting hidden 
But now it was just everything kind of came to the forefront. So that's really where we spent our time thinking about what are the impacts have we seen happen um, between COVID and also some of the social justice things that were brought up over the summer that are now bringing people to a point where they're saying enough is enough and I don't have to or I don't want to do this anymore. Or I simply cannot. I cannot do what you're asking me to do. And so I have to choose. And so those are really the things that were interesting to us and also very close to home as um, those of us, the children know when you have young children at home or you're trying to homeschool, there's only so much that you can do. And so I think we're just seeing that. Are those women going back to work or are they, cause I know like a bunch of my friends who, who gave up their jobs to literally stay at home with their kids. But now as kids are going back to school, even though that's very unknown and, and gray, but as that sort of happens, are women returning to the workforce now or, or are they still staying at home to be with their kids? What's sort of the dynamic there? Well, 42% of uh, women in the United States are the primary breadwinner for their family. So that think about that number, almost half, it's a huge number. So it's a lack of understanding that it's not always a choice to have mm-hmm. to do it. You know, at some point in time with the pandemic, it was, there is no other option. There's no daycare, there's no childcare, there's no school. I have to stay home. And then there's the burden of like, I'm still not comfortable sending my kids off or we're still seeing schools closed, but I have no choice and I need to go back. So there's so many layers to that conversation, so many layers to what people are experiencing at this time that make it difficult to pinpoint it. But those are all important pieces to the the conversation and the puzzle, you know? Well, you have to see the big picture and the whole person, right? Yeah, always. So in terms of what Totem Pairs is doing now and how we landed on our conversation when we connected a week or so ago, you mentioned that Totem Pairs is pivoting more towards the brand side and uh, even looking at helping these women find their place and in a really unique way. So can you just give us, you know, tell us how you stumbled upon this need of, um, is, is it helping the brands find the people? Is it helping the women find the roles? What, what sort of led you to this place of there, there's clearly a problem here and something we can do about it? Yeah, so I mean, we are always been a branding agency. So for us, branding is the center, it's the conversation, it's the story that gets you to have that connection with whoever's on the other end. And we've been saying the whole time, reality is you have one brand, right? You might think of it like I've got a consumer brand and I have an employer brand, but you have one brand. And whether or not you're trying to attract that person to buy from you or you're trying to get them to work for you, it's really the same conversation. Who are you? What are your values? The people that are going to align are going to gravitate to you. Uh, And so what we've been doing is we've always done employer branding. We're extending our focus now because we see such a need that this conversation has been missed as brands have been focused so much on the consumer, they forgot their biggest asset was always their people, right? Um, and so for us at Toten Pairs, we are centered around women and families. That's what we do. We're a representation of the audience. Our research, our insights has always been about what is happening, what is the need, and how do we make sure we can connect those people to the products, services, and the companies that have things that are good for them. So we're very strategically positioned as in we're audience driven, we're insights company, and we're very research focused. So when it came to this conversation around, well, employers now lost sight that they are losing mass amounts of employees and having a hard time connecting. Again, you had COVID, you had social justice issues here in the States. Who do you turn to? You have to turn back to see what those people always needed or what they have been saying. And that's really where we kind of stuck up. So what happened was we've always been doing it, but we saw a big spike in interest from our agency once companies became really desperate to try and figure out how do I now get people to come work for me? And more than that, stay. How do I keep my people? It's so, it's so overwhelming the, the keeping part. And I want to get there in a second because it's a two, it is, it's a two-sided coin. Like it's all very well to get them, but then it is, it is how you keep them. 
And I mean, from our experience in agencies and, and you, and you primarily work with tech companies, so I don't know what the stats are there, which I'm sure you're going to tell me, um, in a second, but for, for agencies, the turnover is about two years. If you're lucky, if you keep somebody for two years, you're doing okay. Obviously you want to keep them for longer, but that tends to be what happens. People get bored or they're looking for something new or they want to get promoted or they're looking for more money or a case may be turnover is two years. Are you finding that in the tech industry and for women and parents as well? Or are they staying a little longer? Are they staying less? What's sort of the turnover there? And maybe COVID's turned it on its head. So there's no data. Certainly has. Yeah. You know, I think what, because I don't have the exact numbers for turnover rates, it's going to depend. Um, I think what the bigger thing is, is in the organization, how driven are people to you and your mission? So it sounds so corny to talk about your mission, vision, and values. In agency life, what can be tricky is a lot of times we're servicing other people's mission and vision. And if we don't have a niche, sometimes our people are kind of like, I like this project, I don't like that project, and that can make them kind of, you know, toggle. Um, but it's the companies that really have a really core drive and people get behind that, that make it easier for them to stay. They see themselves, they see value in their purpose. And that's what people are looking for now, especially millennials and below. It's like, look, I'm not going to stay at this company and I'm not going to get a pension here. I'm here for a point in time to use my skills and I want to be able to be happy where I am. I want to feel proud of the work that I'm doing. And so as companies, it comes back to us, like, have we been honest about what we're doing and who we are? Because if we haven't been, then people see that and they're going to leave. If we're honest about it, then we can have an honest conversation, right? It's a choice. It always has been for people to join in on the work that we're doing. And sometimes that gets lost. So what we've been really focused on is let's get back to that fundamental piece. It has always been a two-way street. What is it that connects the dots for us? And once we're clear that we've brought the right people in, then we can continue to work towards that goal together. Yeah, I mean, I find that tech companies generally build uh, a product to fill a need but they don't necessarily lead with what their what their core mission is. That sort of comes later. So when you're engaging with a brand and you're going to help them recruit, it's obviously not just saying, "Okay, here's your basic messaging and you know how to go engage on these channels." It's it sounds like you really have to uproot the core of who they are and get back to the basics to say, before we even get there, yes, mm-hmm. that's how you outreach and yes, that's how you get in front of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, before you get there, in order for you to connect with them, you have to matter. You have to have something that's beyond just having a product that fills, uh, that that's, you know, out there to, you know, check a box. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's like, you know, there's the idea that you can get people on butts and seats, right? Um, And if you do a bunch of ads, you might. But to get people to stay and give them their best, they have to have purpose. There's a purpose for why I'm here. And at the core, that's what people look for. It might differ on what that purpose is. Some people is like money. Some people, it might be mission driven. Some people, it's like how I feel in this environment, the work I'm type of doing, the technology I'm working on. What is your purpose? What are the things that are going to get the people that are going to gravitate towards your culture to come? What do they care about? So very much fundamental. Let's go back. Who are the ideal people to work for us? What do they care about? What do we care about? How do we tell them what we care about so we can make sure that they understand it and that we can do that stuff together? You know, like branding is very much about us just tell our story. And you know, it doesn't have to be around your product. Sometimes your culture is driven around other things. Like, are we, you know, laughing and joking? Are we this like really creative space? Are we heads down more focused on, you know, the tech? And is that what we lead into? Your story is your story. The point is, let's figure out what those fundamental pieces are, what's your pillar, and let's elevate that so people can see it and they can see if they fit there. I believe in story wholeheartedly, but I also want to be clear and see if you agree with me here, Amber, your story isn't once upon a time, 
10 years ago, we decided to start this thing that that's like, that is not like, that sounds like you're telling a story and sure you are, but your story is more around the why, right? Exactly. Yeah. Why are we here? What are we doing? And how are we doing it? Right? Like why, what, how? Why, what, how? Like those are easy. Why, what, how, what? What are we doing? And if you can answer those questions for people in a way that's honest and authentic, then they see you and they can agree. I get it, right? Um, and then they can come with you. Like it's, it's, not, it's not that you're manipulating people. You're just being honest, right? So we, we don't have to do a bunch be. of paperwork. Yeah, it's not a bunch of paperwork. It's not a bunch of jargon. It's real authentic conversations. And it's not, I think, I think what's hard about, I'm even struggling this with, you know, figuring out our mission statement and, and our branding as we, as we continue to evolve over the last, you know, we're 10 years old as well. It's trying to not make it feel like vaporware, like this smoke that nobody can touch. It's this, it's, it's words, but it's got to feel tangible and you got to back it up, which leads us into like, once you create your mission, then it's those values, Right that actually that you live by that back up your mission. Yeah, exactly. And it's also really important to make sure that you're thinking about those in the context of the business goals and objectives, right? So sometimes what happens, especially for startups, is we think about it in our basement with the co-founders and the people that we know. So we've created this culture, these ideas around like our own box, and we forget that there's other people in the world who could contribute to that. So part of it is really stepping back and saying, let's take all the jargon out. Let's just get right to the point. Like, what are the things that we really care about? What are we trying to achieve in as simple as possible language? And by taking some of that jargon out, you can get rid of some of the stereotypes, some of the things that are going to turn other people off because they don't speak your same language and instead get to the core, which is what all people have. Like we have a core, we have personalities. Um, and then when you take those layers out, then it gets easier. And I just think that's a really important piece because otherwise, especially in tech, you find that we are not recruiting from diverse pools because we've created a culture and a conversation that's around our incubator, like the people that we know. And we didn't realize in doing that, we totally alienated other sets of people, women, people of color, people from disabilities, you know, we just eliminated an entire pool of people because we didn't realize that conversation was in isolation. Instead, we need to go back to the drawing board and just think about what our goals are and get back to the fundamentals. And bring more people in, I would think too, because when you are that initial team in the basement or in the garage trying to figure out what you want your values to be, when you start adding people to the organization, your culture is going to change and evolve. And so what does that mean? And as the original founders, you might not have a pulse on that. So bringing in those other voices to contribute to that, I imagine helps in, in that bias, in that, uh, in, in finding what, what that core is outside of the jargon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just bringing in more people, but are we bringing in a diverse set of people? Because a lot of times, rightfully so, right? As a founder, you're just trying to get resources. Who's on with the dream? Who do I touch? Who do I convince? And it usually is in our core circle. But we do get to a point where it's like, I need to expand out. And sometimes our culture has already been built because of that core circle. So being able to have kind of that outsourced resource to come in and help you identify ways um, to make it so that it's more appealing is a natural evolution of a startup's journey. Let's talk about this because I was really curious when we, when I was figuring out my questions of, you know, when we're talking about marketing, so I'll just go speak from experience, right? So when I'm recruiting, I I'm going to talk tactics here for a second. You're going to pull me back up because I know tactics and you know, brand. And this is why this is a lovely, a lovely conversation of balance here. Um, but when I'm recruiting, I definitely have some messaging around who we are from being people first to seeing the big picture to leading with transparency. I'm sure there's some work we could definitely do around language and getting more to the point. 
Um, and I'm sure there's bias there. Um, however, what I'm recruiting, I am doing it manually. I am creating a list of people who fit the roles and responsibilities that I need. However, I'm also looking for that diversity, equity, and inclusion and doing it by hand because in my experience, when I don't do it by hand, I don't get a diverse pool. Um, so when you're talking about branding and you're talking about finding that mission, vision, values, and being able to create it in a way that is inclusive, I imagine by doing that, you fall less into my challenge of, you know, when I, if I was to put a different, not a different message out there, but if I was to look at my mission, vision, and values and actually do a bit more equity inclusion and work on that. I'm imagining that that's the beauty of what you do, that you can still do quote unquote mass outreach in a really thoughtful way, still putting parameters and making sure you're touching the right people who are gonna do the job, but you're gonna get a much diverse, rich pool of people. I mean, is that? Yeah, yeah. so when you think of branding, I think it's really about going back to high school. I use this example a lot. Um, it's like when you think about who you were in high school, you had the jocks, you had the peppy kids, you had the nerdy kids, you had a whole slew of people that kind of fit into these personas, right? Mm -hmm. And really a brand is about who am I? Like if my company could stand up and talk or put on an outfit or go to a store, what would we say? What would we wear? How would we show up? And the first thing is, before you start spitting job applications out to people, you need to have a foundation so they know who they're talking to. And the brand is really there to help build that foundation, right? So a lot of tech companies, the product, it's not just about email automation, although they've scaled since then, it's about more than that. And so for us, what we're really looking forward to is how do we create that personality, that experience, that feeling? So that when you do put your job application out there, people say, this is really cool. I want to know more because they already feel like they could understand who you are or they can relate to it. And that's probably the biggest issue we see is that people don't understand that there is this space in which you're showing up. How are you showing up? That's the question the brand answers. How are we showing up? So when we do show up, we're talking to the right people. They see us. We see them. They feel connected. Now we have a conversation. I imagine for tech, that feels really hard, especially B2B tech, where it's so product-driven. So creating this personality, this persona around the brand itself, that feels daunting, but I could just mm -hmm. be speaking from left field here. It takes, uh, it takes a creative team, right? So think about the companies you, you spend time all day long on B2B products. I gave you one, MailChimp. Yep. Facebook sometimes can be B2B. They have an advertising platform. Google is an advertising platform, but you learned it as a consumer. You had a feeling about who they were as a consumer, and then now you use their product as a company, right? There's tons of B2B companies out there that have a brand, and there's a lot that don't. Opportunity lies. Because when you think about it, people are buying the product, whether it's B2B or not, it's can you relate to that person on the other end? Who's your audience? Is it an employee? Is it somebody that's a customer buying from another company? Regardless, it's a person. And people relate to people. They don't relate to technology. People to so people. the better you can get at branding, the better you can appeal to people who are going to buy it. So let's talk about this first for a second in terms of like, because I've been banging my head against the wall from a recruiting standpoint, and it, it it's tough market out there for, for hiring. It's so, I don't know if you're experiencing this, Amber, and maybe you are for your clients and why this is like the clear need now, especially 4 million people, you know, being up, essentially leaving their jobs to go pick where they want to go. It's a tough market. And so how it feels like the easy thing to do is just be like, I'll just hire a recruiter 
and they'll just solve all my problems. Um, I have hired a recruiter and they have not by any stretch of the imagination solved Mm. any of my problems. So in terms of why, you know, so it's this whole new idea of using marketing essentially as your, as your recruiter, right? Yeah. 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 So I would say the first thing is let's make sure when we show up in the space in the market, we show up in a way that attracts people. So that's where the brand comes in. The second piece is once I have my brand in place, where do I show up? That's where marketing comes in. So here's who we are. I'm really clear about that. It's very obvious. We've got all of our assets, our website, our job descriptions, whatever. Those are your assets, right? Mm-hmm. Now, where do we put those things so that people who are going to align with what we want and what we're looking for find us? Again, if we stop thinking about it so technically, it's the same thing as if you're doing it for a consumer, right? We do the same process. We put ourselves in a place where the people that we want to buy our product are going to be. When we're doing it for employees, we put our brand in the place we want people to come work for us. Where are they going to be? And you show up that way. So for example, you probably see it all the time. Um, You've got some organizations that might do events and they'll partner with other women-centric organizations if they're trying to hire women. Uh, You might have organizations that are launching podcasts in partnership with other brands. You could see companies um, do all kinds of creative things, right? Like it's it's not brain surgery. It's just about us rethinking about our employees not as one-offs, but as people that need to connect, that we need to connect with. And what tools do we use to do that? There's like a billion ways to do it. But again, you have to first start up. When you do show up, have you showed up in a way that's going to attract those people? Are you telling them what they need to hear? Are you really living your mission? Are you being honest? All those things, you're going to ruin your opportunity if you show up the wrong way. So that's why you start with branding and make sure that you're being very clear then you show up and let the people start to feel. And that is how we start to get our clients uh, to trim off the fat when it comes to recruiting. It's just about showing up in the right way in the right places. I mean, even if you were to hire a recruiter, you need to have these things in place regardless. And is it different between whether, I mean, your mission, your vision, your values, that it's not different between whether you're recruiting or whether you're bringing on new clients, you don't change one to create the other, right? So you need, you need it for both. I think it's just a matter of actually putting the lens on needing it for both. Right. So if you think about some of the companies that, you know, like Nike is a tech company, right? But you might know them as a consumer for buying some of their other products. Target has one of, is one of the largest tech companies in the United States. They have more tech employees than some of the biggest ones. But you don't think of them as a tech company. You think of them as a retailer. They're a tech company. For example, I worked for an education company. We were a tech company. But education was a product that we produced. Everything is a tech company. So you're competing now for companies that are big, that are masked as other things, that have already got brand recognition, that have already sold people on their brand through a consumer lens. Now, wouldn't it be awesome to go work for this company where you love their product? We have to get better at thinking about our brands differently, especially in B2B, to grab that attention, to be able to stand out, to show up in a good way, and to tell our story so we can get people to come work for us. Because honestly, we're competing with everyone at this point. Which is so hard. (laughs) It isn't if you can go back to the fundamentals of like, what are you doing? There's somebody out there for you, right, that believes in you, that wants to work in a small agency, that wants to do digital recruiting, that wants to work for a CEO that's a woman. There's value adds in who you are. It's not about trying to worry about everybody else. It's about picking out what makes you super unique and telling that story in a way that positions you perfectly for your target audience. That's so true. So in terms of this, uh, you know, we're talking about a lot of the back to basics. Is that really where you come in? Is that where it really all begins is bringing in a company like yours who can put this lens on it for women, for moms who are looking for, if you want to hire women and moms looking for jobs, bringing in a company like yours to put that lens on 
your mission, vision, and values, does that mean that's all you're recruiting for? Or does that mean you're just helping people also include those people? Yeah, so our focus is women and families. So even if you think that you're hiring a man, he's more likely, if he's married to a woman, going to ask his wife, here's the job opportunity, here's the hours, here's the location. We very rarely make these decisions in isolation, right? So what we really are focused on is women and families. What are the things that this demographic needs specifically? Women make up 47% of the workforce. In tech, we're 25%. That means you're missing an opportunity. So that's the reason we center ourselves around women. And like we said with families, it's now when you add on that parental layer, what are the needs? It's changed. So we're here to make sure it's clear. We all know how to recruit for everyone else. This is two demographic layers that we feel really need some extra attention. So we can recruit and help you with everyone, but we're going to make sure that you're targeting this audience, which gets ignored a lot, and that you're losing out on the opportunity to really connect with. The messaging and the story behind the scenes is going to seem like it's just generic. It's not like we're going to talk, hey, women, 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 right? It's not yeah. about that. It's just making sure that we are including the needs of that demographic, which are so often missed and will help you grab their attention by taking into account what they're looking for, what they need, and telling them the story that they need to hear in order for them to resonate. So yeah, companies will pull tote and pairs in when they're saying, you know what, we recognize that we want to attract a more diverse talent pool. We're having challenges retaining certain demographics, and we want to have some new lenses added so we can make sure we're putting our reach on everyone that would be a good fit for our organization. Uh, last question for you, and then we're going to wrap up, because I do think that this idea of um, retaining is important. And so do you help with the trait, like with the you know, sort of laying the foundation of, okay, now once you have employee, what do you do now? Like, how do you keep them? And so what does that entail? What are some of your best practices of some of the things you tackle in helping brands lay that groundwork? Is that still mission, vision, right. and values, or is there, is it beyond that? Yeah, I mean, it's experiences. So just like if you were doing it for consumer, you're selling a product, where they, the continued ways that we have this conversation and we stay engaged with our customers. Same thing for our employees. What do they need? What would they like to hear from us? And what are ways that we can support them? So for every client, it's very different. For some clients, it might be content-based and event-based. What is the content we produce? What are the events? I'll give you an example. About, what is it now? Seven years ago, we started an organization called MORE, which was centered around creating experiences for working parents. The reason we did that is we found a lot of working parents, once they had children, couldn't attend happy hours. They couldn't attend all of the networking events that were going on. And all of them were at night or at a time where they were trying to tuck their children into bed or had to get off to pick their kids up from school. So as an organization, they were building, especially in tech, these experiences around a demographic that didn't align with other people, right? So when parents needed to move on, they lost the opportunity to do promotions. They felt like they weren't connected to their team. They just felt excluded. And so what we would do is we would say, okay, here's our audience. What are the things that our audience needs? Let's build some events and make them family friendly. Mind blown, right? Let's have happy hours at children's museums. Let's do creative things in which we can make sure everyone. That kind of stuff happens as part of the brand. We identify who our audience is. Then we have the conversations about well, what does that person need at every stage of their journey? And we will stay with the companies to make sure that they're able as their employees change or the culture changes or the environment changes. What does my audience need now? How do I give that to them? That's an ongoing, forever you know, changing evolution that is exciting if you understand how valuable it is to create and, and curate this amazing workforce, right? And it's the same thing we do for our customers. We change our narrative, we change our ad content, we change our graphics. Sometimes we'll do partnerships, sometimes we'll do events. Same thing. And it comes back to our very original conversation around intersectionality, right? Of yeah. really understanding people where they are literally physically and also what connects them. And so, oh, so good. Amber, so good <laughs> to have you back. Before we close out, I do have my three people first questions, which is just nice to pull back the curtain. Remember, we're all human and we're more than just marketers and we have lives outside of our jobs. It's true. Yeah, we like to be. at least pretend sometimes. <laughs> it's 
true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you all day long I'm a human. So let's see what let's see what you got. I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh the last 18 months have turned our lives upside down. And uh at the beginning we were all stuck at home, um, maybe coming out of the pandemic, but you know, what new hobbies have you picked up, if any, in the last 18 months? You know, I used to work out a lot. I'm a former D1 athlete. I played softball at Arizona State. Um, and I just lost sight of the opportunity to get out and do as much exercising as I really wanted. So being able to get back into exercise mode with my seven and a half year old and my husband has been amazing. So we picked up some biking, we picked up some walking, we did a little bit of track work. It just felt really good to, you know, kind of get get back into it, get away from the day-to-day routine and see what life looks like through the eyes of a, of a seven-year-old who can run all day. All I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Day. All day. All I day. wish I could just all package day. up my children's energy. We would make millions. <laughs> oh, we'd be done. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they've got it all. They've taken the energy. I'd say for mine. But yeah. I, wish I could just one. have just a tiny bit of it. I feel like I could <laughs> so much further. Ah. Oh. So good. Um, If you were in an office with your team or when you guys can all get back together, maybe you're starting to figure that out. uh, What song would you want playing to sort of set the tone of that, uh, of that feeling of gathering and being together? Mm, That's funny. So we're also very different. Um, And the sad thing is I have like shifted into classical music. Um, because I think to calm my nerves in the midst, again, I'm compartmentalizing the focus. There's a video game we really love, and we're really starting to get into VR, AR. Um, and so just being able to see kind of the amazing things that are happening between the bridge of video games and life. Um, but there's a video game that's older called Hue, H-U-E. And my, my seven-year-old can play it. It's two-dimensional, but it's all classical music, and I really enjoy that. Um, so I probably would play that. And then the young people on my team would be like, yikes, why are we playing Gazagal? And we'd probably let them play their playlist. So I think each of us would probably pick whatever song got us through that moment um, and then allow ourselves to kind of laugh and smile and just embrace the differences amongst us. I love it. Uh, oh, I-, I would also probably say Hamilton. I really love the Hamilton soundtrack. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I like on repeat in my head. Yeah, I love it. I also feel like a word will happen. Like I, I, this feels so, I don't know if this is like a good thing to say. I'm going to say it anyway, but because of Hurricane Ida, <laughs> I've been singing the hurricane song from Hamilton. Like I, it's just that yeah. word, like, right. It just, and the, yeah. the, the visual of that moment of him standing on that chair in the middle of this hurricane, it's just. Yeah. So good. One of my favorites. I think that came out of the pandemic. We watched it on Disney Plus. So, yeah. So good. It's just, oh, so good. Um, (laughs) Finally, if you could travel anywhere without consequence, given the world we live in right now, where would you go and why? This is funny. So, um, again, I think my story. So when I was really young, my plane got hit by lightning. So I hate travel. So I am... Um, I would love to, in theory, go to Bora Bora, but I think my anxiety would get the best of me. And I used to travel all the time. When I played softball, we traveled. When I worked, we traveled. Um, I just, I am like so madly in love with my best. Yes! (laughs) But I would say an island without, if I didn't have to fly there, I would for sure say like a beautiful island with clear water. My husband's always wanted to do something like that. That's what we would probably do. Bora Bora Fiji. Oh, that sounds amazing. My husband and I actually met in Hawaii. Fun fact. Um, clear water, blue sky. You know, it's not quite as far as Bora Bora. <laughs> um, but you still got to fly. I'm sorry to say. Mm. And oh, after that, yeah, I can imagine that would be tricky. But I mean, I did. I was like eight, but I still remember it. So I just Ooh. don't like it, But but I can do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it's been a while and the desk is a nice, lovely place that we've all gotten accustomed to. I like mine very much. It's a standing one too. (laughs) (laughs) Amber, it's so good to see you. Thank you for joining me again, for being back and for your, for your wisdom. Uh, Recruiting is a whole new world now and we are better off 
having listened to your story and knowing more about the women and the challenges they're facing and how we can help them. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Carrie. That was my conversation with Amber Anderson. Look, it's a tough market out there in terms of hiring. There's a ton of people looking, which is great, but they have the power to choose where they want to go because everyone, including us, is hiring. So lots of people are looking, but lots of people are hiring. So if you're ready to embrace, if you haven't already, real flexible workplace environment where you trust your employees to do the work and give them the supportive environment to do it, then connect with Amber on LinkedIn or visit Tote Pairs and see how they can help you find the right diverse workforce you know you need. We all need. Amber, thank you so much for joining me. It was so great to have you back on. What an honor. And thank you for tuning in to season 10. Keep on going. My next episode is with Peter Zabeos on heart-centered leadership. Uh, That's not what Peter calls it, but that's what my business coach, Todd Palmer calls it. And I think it's such a beautiful way to really sum up how Peter leads managers, listen up and lean into this one. You can't help to want to be a better leader to the people you're managing after listening to this episode. You can't help it. You're going to want to lean in and take notes. And I encourage you to go get a notebook right now while you keep on keeping on. Thank you again for listening to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders, the podcast that helps brands get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard. And until next time, this episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency of agile experts who specialize in SEO, digital advertising, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG. Music, mix, and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit MKG Marketing Inc. to apply.